I am so happy to have this opportunity to be able to meet with you all today, as usual, for worship. But for today, we are starting on a new sermon series. As we had just finished up on Esther, we are going through a new sermon series. We're going to the New Testament now, and we're going to go to Philippians, Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I entitled this whole sermon series, Choose Joy. Now, what that means is that for the next nine weeks, and I realize that's a really long time, but for the next nine weeks, we are going to be looking at these four chapters of Philippians. And we're going to kind of delve in and really try to understand that this joy that we're talking about isn't just a feeling, but it's something that can be commanded. And the Apostle Paul commands the Philippians to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Joy can be commanded and joy can be chosen too. It's not just a feeling or emotion. It's not something you just kind of wait for to happen to you. But a joy can come from the decisions that you and I make every day. We can choose joy. Now, this is nine weeks that we're going to be studying this together, and it's a long period of time. And so uh, we have a tool that will actually help you. Uh, I see actually many of you actually already have it already. Here is a journal, uh, a journal with uh, four Philippians. Now, so that you know that we're not trying to be, be uh, trying to make money or anything like this, but we actually have these available for you for $1 in the back. Okay, now, okay, we're not making any money on this. It actually costs $4, okay? So uh, that we're charging you one means that, hey, this is a bargain. This is a deal of the century. But what is great in this journal is that uh, you will find in here, this journal, uh, the whole book of Philippians, okay? And in, this, in Philippians, you have the Philippians on the left leaf. And then on the other side, on the right side, you will actually have blank line pages. And that's for you to be able to use here during worship for the next nine weeks to take notes. Or uh, for you, and I'm hearing that many of you are actually using this in your small groups, that you can actually study this in your small groups and be able to take notes as you're in your small groups. And for those of you who are not doing it in your small groups, hey, in your devotions, this is a great opportunity for you to kind of write down how God is leading you, how God is actually teaching you. So I encourage you, if you haven't picked one up already, uh, feel, uh, do do this, uh, pick one up. I, if you don't have a dollar on you, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, you can uh, Venmo Pastor Sam, okay? So, uh, so we encourage you to be able to use this tool because for the next few months, this journal, think of this journal as like your passport to joy, okay? Or just think of this as your chance to commit to God, to grow and to learn in Him, okay? So we are starting out today with the first part of Philippians, a letter to joy. And so let me go ahead and read the first couple of uh, verses to you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In this first two verses, we are introduced to the principal players in our, in our letter today. 
the Apostle Paul, who writes this letter. And we're not quite sure where he wrote it from, but more than likely it's from Rome. But what we do know is this. He was incarcerated. He was incarcerated for his faith. And he is actually waiting, waiting judgment. We see here that this is from Paul and Timothy. Timothy is his assistant, his spiritual son. And later on, we're going to do a whole sermon about him because he plays a very important role in supporting, encouraging Paul. Then, of course, we have the Philippians. The Philippians were the church that Paul founded on his second missionary journey. And you'll find that in reading this letter, even in the passage that we're studying today, that there is a joyous relationship that Paul has with this church and its church people, more so than in any other churches that we read about in the New Testament. And what is incredible about this is that this joyous relationship is in spite of the fact that when Paul was in Philippi, he was in prison, and that now as he's writing this letter, he is still in prison in a different place. And it's just amazing to think that Paul could have such a joyous relationship, such a joyful letter that he, he writes in spite of his difficulties, in spite of his circumstances. And of course, the other player in this is God, okay? He is not hidden like in the book of Esther. No, here in Philippians, God is the giver of joy. Paul makes this very, very clear and very open. His grace and peace are clearly seen in Jesus Christ, his son, whom Paul's relationship with Timothy, Paul's relationship with the church in Philippi, it's, it's founded upon, it's secure upon, ultimately, Paul's relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe that that is where our joy begins. Now, for all of us, as we delve into it for the next nine weeks about joy, maybe we need to just go and have some, some question and answer. We'll have some joy FAQ right now uh, to try to answer some questions that we may actually have about joy. Um, now, if I were to ask the question, what is joy? If you ask 100 people, you may get 101 answers. But the... Uh, Webster gives this dictionary de definition. Joy is a condition or a feeling of high pleasure or delight, happiness or gladness. Now, other definitions that you and I may, may have ourselves, if, we were to, if I were to ask you, what is joy? What is your definition? Some may say that joy is an emotion, deep and lasting. Some may say that joy is, is actually a source or a cause of pleasure and of delight. Some may actually say that joy is an expression or display of glad feelings or festivities. Or joy is a state of extreme happiness. Now, notice that in these definitions, joy is also put in context and compared with happiness or defined by happiness. And I think there may be a question that we would have is, is there any difference between joy and happiness? Well, uh, uh, I'm not a politician, but yes and no, okay? Uh, there is 
some parts, the, the, the part that joy is exactly like happiness is that the feeling that you get, the elation, that, 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 that buoyancy that you have in your heart, uh, which is the same. But, but this is the, the thing. There are two differences between joy and happiness. As you listen to people talk about it and their experiences and how they would define joy and happiness in this way. Joy. Uh, the differences are, are, in t- are twofold. Once, one part is how long it lasts, and the other part is where does joy come from? Okay, where is, I'm assuming, where is joy or happiness's origins? Okay? And so some people would say this joy springs from, uh, they make a difference like this happiness is something that's temporary, and joy is something that's more eternal. And happiness, uh, where its origin is oftentimes from external circumstances or experience. But joy, that contentment, is actually within yourself. Okay? It's within yourself. And, it's, and with happiness, because happiness comes from outside, uh, external circumstances can actually be a cause difficulties for us. And so this is where it can be a little bit different from joy in this way, is that joy will give us a contentment and confidence which can take us through the storms of life. Whereas with happiness, uh, it's not present when we're in the midst of storm. When we're going through a struggle, when we're going through a difficulty, a sickness or illness or death in the family, we would say that happiness goes away. Happiness is often described as kind of a blurry emotion. And it can mean different things to different people. But for us, and this is what we need to understand is, is this, is joy is what we talk, we're talking about here, and joy is what we want to choose. It is a conscious commitment that for to be happy, to have a sense of gratitude and contentment despite life's challenges. Let me read that to you again. Joy is a conscious commitment to be happy to have a sense of gratitude and contentment despite life's challenges. And if I had to put it in a very brief statement, something you can put on a bumper sticker is, happiness happens, but you choose joy. Okay? Happiness happens, but you choose, you choose joy. What is joy to you? I would have said that A few years back, five years ago, I could not tell you what joy was. I sat in a counselor's office. Uh, I was going through counseling, through depression at that time, and I was sitting there, and he sat down, and he, he looked me in the eye, and he asked me a question. Dick, what makes you happy? And I stared at him, and I looked down, and I looked around, and I could not come up with anything. And that is how low or how saddened I was, how, how, how empty I was at that time. But through God's grace, his healing, uh, actually in great part through really studying this, this letter to the Philippians, uh, I understand that joy. I know that it's a choice that I can actually make in my life, that I can choose joy, how I look at things, how I perceive things, how I can embrace things around me, 
even in the little things. You know, I've had these things, I've had, I, I discovered something this year. It was, it, it's like, it's like a, a miracle to me. I've discovered that you can take a, a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it's kind of meh, okay, I have to say that much. But then you can actually grill it, okay? You put butter all over on the outside, and then you grill it. Man, it is a miracle, okay? It is the most delicious thing you could ever have. It is a grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The peanut butter is kind of gooey, and then if you use crunchy peanut butter, you have that crunch of the peanut butter and the crunch of the toast, and then you have the sweetness of the jelly in there. I prefer grape. And it is just the most delicious thing that you can ever have. You know, I've had, I've had bread in my life. I've had jelly in my life. I have peanut butter always in my life. But for some reason now, as I'm beginning to understand that you, you and I choose joy, even in the little things in our lives, it just comes to you. One of the things I just started doing lately, I always used to think it was a real bother. I started actually baking my own bread. Okay, it, I, I cannot even begin to tell you how, how, much, how much joy this gives me, okay? Uh, uh, because it used to be from, in my head was like, hey, if you can buy it, buy it. Time is money, okay? Why waste time in actually baking bread when you can actually just go to the store and just buy it, right? But man, you start baking it and you start you knead it, or, and then you actually shape it, and you put it into the oven, and you wait for that hour or so that, that for it to bake, and, and the, the, the aroma of the bread baking is just amazing, okay? It, if you have not baked bread in your life, you are missing out on one of God's greatest pleasures, okay? You choose joy. You make decisions every day, big and small in our lives, of how we can actually choose joy. And I think one of the things is that when we talk about choosing joy is that what, uh, what does the Bible say about joy? What, what, what is joy to God? Now, I had to look this up, but the word joy appears 119 times in the Old Testament, 60 times in the New Testament. And there's actually a whole spread of words, uh, 15 different Hebrew words and eight uh, Greek words to describe joy, both as a noun and both as a verb. You can have joy, you can experience joy, you can rejoice. Uh, all these are, are, are ways that are in Scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, when it talks about joy, it, it talks about a, a lot of wide range of human experiences. It has a tendency to talk about, like for instance, in, in Song of Solomon, there's romantic love, okay? And then in Proverbs, you hear the joy that there is in marriage, uh, in the birth of children. Uh, in uh, Isaiah, you read in Isaiah the, about the gathering of harvest, what incredible joy there is in bringing in the harvest. And then also in military victory, there's a great joy there. And uh, for those who are over 21 in Psalms, it says there's a great joy in drinking wine, okay? Drinking alcohol, there's incredible joy that there's there, okay? Now, uh, things change a little bit in the description uh, when it comes to the Gospels. Uh, there, we have celebration. Uh, there's Jesus' birth about all the joy that the angels were actually proclaiming to heaven and earth. And then 
Also, uh, Jesus himself proclaims joy and gives joy at the wedding in Cana when he turned water to wine. But something happens, something different happens in when, the, when joy is perceived in the New Testament church. There in Acts, you, off, you see something a little bit different. And I think that in Acts, particularly in chapter, Acts chapter 13 and onward, you get the sense that joy is actually tied together and entwined with trials, suffering, persecution. And why is that? I believe that the church was under persecution, had opposition, had challenges, theological, political, economical. And for these people, these believers, trial and persecutions actually become the reason for joy. James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. Uh, First Peter, suffering brings joy as believers are united with Christ. And Paul himself in 2 uh, Corinthians says, with all our affliction, I am overjoyed. Okay? And in some sense, this, is, this gives us a background for Philippians as we look into it. Paul's in prison, but he has joy. Paul is in chains, but he rejoices. That should be something we desire for ourselves, that we also want when we're downtrodden, when we're heavy-hearted. Don't you and I want what Paul has uh, that allows him to have joy in the midst of a very depressing hardship that he's going through? And so for today, so throughout, well, let me back up, throughout Philippians, we're going to look at those things that he takes on from God that becomes built into him for, for joy. And today, there's two key elements that I want to share with you about joy. Two key elements which, which kind of let us understand how Paul maintains joy in his life and that we also can too. One of these things is a mindset. The other things is a practice. And those two things are this. Thanksgiving, a mindset or attitude. And then second thing, prayer as a practice. So reading further, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and through 8. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making, uh, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul shows a heart full of joy with a mindset of thanksgiving, and he continues on here in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul has a very deep relationship with the Philippian church. 
he founded that church uh, on his second missionary journey. Uh, you can actually look this up and follow along in Acts chapter 16. We're going to be talking a little bit more about how this all goes around, but just in summary, Philippi was the first town which uh, Paul preached when he actually entered into what we would consider Europe. And at that time, uh, in, oh, let's say AD 50, uh, the city had uh, very few Jewish re uh, residents. And so the first converts were actually Greeks, a Gentile, uh, Lydia, a Gentile businesswoman. And also, the, uh, when Paul was in prison, in, in, in jail in Philippi, the Philippian jailer also came to have faith in Jesus Christ. In that church, Paul met with them in Lydia's home at first. And he, all these memories come back to him of all the people that he shared Christ with, with all those meetings that they had in Lydia's home. Even at his time with Silas in the Philippian jail, that they were singing praises and, and, and actually worshiping with joy. And he remembers all these things because memories are an important mindset that's critical for any of us to choose joy. Um, Mother Teresa uh, very wisely noted and, and, and pointed out this. She said, loneliness and being forgotten, loneliness and being forgotten are the greatest of poverties. Loneliness and being forgotten are the greatest of poverties. And this is from a woman who has actually served with the poorest of poors in, in India. But she still thinks that ultimately the worst, the, the poorest person in the world is the one who is lonely. The one who is, who is, who is so poor is the one who has actually been forgotten. And so you can imagine what it was like for Paul to be in prison. How sitting there and waiting, not knowing, dealing with the loneliness, dealing with how, about being forgotten. But yet, and we'll find out more about this later, the Philippians remember him. They send him help. They send him financial aid. And you can imagine the, the elation, the joy that, that he had because the Philippians kept a relationship with him even though he was far away and in prison. Loneliness and being forgotten are the greatest poverty. But when you and I are remembered, when we know that there is somebody who's got our back, when we know there are people who are willing to stand with us in the most difficult situations, you are the richest person in this world. And because of that, Paul rejoices and he gives thanks for, for, to God. I thank my God remembrance of you. So Paul's memories of the Philippians were a source of joy because every time he prayed, he included them. And not only that, the type, what he remembered about them was that they were, had a partnership together. Now, uh, in some of your Bibles, you may actually see that they didn't translate the word, the Greek word koinonia, they translated it as fellowship as opposed to partnership. But 
I really believe here that it's good that the, with the ESV that we're using that we use the word partnership because this word koinonia was originally a word that used to describe biz, people in business together. Uh, these are the ones who would actually share doing the work and those are the ones who paired off and, and, and watched out for each other while they're working in the fields. This is koinonia, a business partnership. And so in this, it aptly describes the relationship that Paul has with the Philippians. They weren't just in fellowship together. They, just, they didn't just hang out together. They didn't just actually go to movies or Chinese restaurants together. They served together. They were partners in the gospel. And these were joyful memories were the result of being in God's work together. And this is a side note, and we're going to pick up on this much later, a little bit later, is this. Where is the joy in FBCC? If you are struggling, you come here today, and, and I, I ask you to choose joy. And you're staring back at me wondering, where is it? I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere. I don't even see it here. Well, perhaps you haven't joined in serving with others. Perhaps you actually haven't partnered with others, maybe on a short-term missions team, or even here in a small group or teaching a children's Sunday school class, that when you join together in partnership there, there is a deeper joy that God has because you have koinonia. You have that joy of fellowshipping of partnership with each other. In addition to the partnership, Paul talks about them being partakers of grace. And there he is confident that God will complete the work of finishing off their, their growth in Jesus Christ for the Philippians and even for himself. He is in a no man's land right now. He doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow, whether he's going to die or he's going to live. Doesn't know. Every day for him, and also that every day for the, for, the, for the Philippians, he is, knows and has a satisfaction and has a deep patience and joy of knowing they have already been partakers of grace. That God has actually given us the grace, his forgiveness, his love in Jesus Christ. And that they share together, and there will be one day when that will all come together, when the Lord shall return and there will be a fulfillment. And that is a joy that is not just for Paul himself, but also knowing that the Philippians also are going to be there with him gives, us, it gives him great joy. Memories of joy are so important to cultivating a heart of thanksgiving for, for ourselves. Uh, I've had to learn to do this. Uh, when I first came uh, to FBCC, uh, Pastor Brian showed me into my new office, and I go like, man, there's just too many bookshelves. What am I supposed to do? I don't even have this many books uh, to put in here, so what should I put in there? And, and then Pastor Brian, just kind of as a side, but I took his word at it. He goes, uh, put things in there that make you happy. Okay? And so, 
if you ever come to my office, I have not that many books, but I have a lot of little dinky do stuff, okay, like trinkets and, and all that kind of stuff. I have things like this. Uh, it, is a, it is a larger model of a Hot Wheel, okay, uh, Hot Wheel car. Why do I have this? Um, it is a, uh, okay, background for it. My first Hot Wheel I got when I was a child was this very, very model, okay? I shared this in a talk one time, and one of the guys, his name is Ricky, uh, he remembered this, okay? I, and this is like 10, 20 years ago, he re actually remembered this, and Ricky, uh, at one point in time, he was going to seminary, and to pay, pay off for seminary, he was working for Mattel, okay? He was working on the assembly line at Mattel, and so he, was, he, actually, he actually got this for me, okay? Uh, got this Hot Wheel for me, uh, and, uh, and I was just so touched, uh, because it reminds me not of my youth in my childhood playing with Hot Wheel cars, but it just reminds me of Ricky, who's actually now a, a pastor, in Southern California, and that, that this is actually something we actually share together. And, and every time I look at that, I just, I just remember him, and I also pray for him. This is not as noticeable, but if you come into my office, there is a old, old snow dome, okay? I don't think they even sell these anymore, but, but Carolyn and I used to collect these, okay? Uh, everywhere we'd go, we would actually have a snow dome. In fact, our, we had a whole bookshelf, you know, from top to bottom of snow domes, okay, of snow globes. Now, all I have left is one, okay, and this is one that I have in my office. Why is that? They didn't break, they weren't destroyed, but when the Lord called us to go do missions in the UK, we couldn't bring those snow domes with us. Okay, so what we did was, and Caroline, Caroline came up with this great idea. She, uh, she decided, why don't we just give these away to all our friends, okay? And so we'll give them away to all our friends and just ask them every time they see the snow dome to pray for us. It was great, okay? So, so that was a great, and that's actually where they are. Our snow domes are, are, are scattered across the world, okay, right now, because people actually have these right now. And, and in fact, actually, a couple of years ago, a friend asked us, goes, hey, uh, I, have this, I still have your snow dome, and I know that you're not in Europe anymore. Do you, do you want it back? <laughs> and he goes, and I go, well, uh, then our question, I, you know me, I always ask, a, when somebody asks me a question, I answer with a question. So I said, do you want to give it back? And, uh, and uh, they actually said, uh, no, actually, we'd like to still continue praying for you. And so that was great. And lastly, uh, I have this deflated rugby ball, okay? Uh, C-Y-M-R-U is the name for whales, okay? It is actually the... the, the uh, the, the word for whales. And uh, whales, uh, Carol and I were in Wales for, for a part, and this is a great reminder of me of our time in Wales and our ministry with the church that was there. And so in all these things, uh, these are our joyful memories. And it's not just to, to, to remember, but it is also a reminder to me to give thanks for those people that God has actually put into to my life. So the question for you is, what are your joyful memories? 
What are, the, what are the ones that have supported you in your faith? Indeed, I should hope that it's a reminder for you as you reflect upon that, to give thanks for them in, your, in their lives. You and I can be living grumpy lives, criticizing or complaining, or you can choose joy, joyful thanksgiving for the partners that we have in Jesus Christ. In the last part of what we're going to be looking at today, verses 9 through 11, chapter 1. There's a joy in thanksgiving, but this, is, this mindset needs to be buttressed and supported by the appropriate action and practice. Thanksgiving needs to be accompanied by, the, by action. And so here, Paul prays for the Philippians, Okay. And is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This gives us a new model for us to pray for each other. Paul says, he prays for the, the Philippians to have an abundant love. They may abound more and more. And what, what, why, why does Paul pray for love here? Why doesn't Paul just pray for Philippians to have joy? If this is a, a, a letter of joy, why not pray for that? Well, I think you, you know the reason why. Because joy is really intricately tied to love. And if we don't know the love of Jesus Christ, you really can't fully experience his joy either. And so this is why, because Paul wants the Philippians to have this joy, he actually prays for them to have love, to have it abundantly. But this type of love is an informed love. And so he prays for them, that my, is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment, that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And so verse 10 here, this word approve, it translates, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very special word. It was actually used uh, to, to approve. This is the word they, they would actually use when they were testing out metals or testing out coins. Back in the day, you would get silver or gold you don't know where it came from. You don't know what kind of shape it was. You don't know who minted it or anything like that. Could have been fool's gold. It could have been something that, that only was covered with silver. And so what they would do is they would have people who would test it out. And part of testing this out, these people would actually give approval for this, for the metals that they tested or the coins they tested. And it's only after this approval, after passing this test, that this coin was this, uh, or this gold or silver was deemed pure, meaning that it was genuine, okay? And so this is also the case, and this is the words that Paul uses here for, for the, apostle, for the uh, Philippians, that they would actually grow in love in such a way and also be very knowledgeable about it, that they would be able to, to really use some discernment, use some judgment, and be able to have that love that is real, is pure, that they will be ready 
for the day of Jesus Christ when Christ returns. And very lastly, oops, there it goes, uh, that they be filled, filled with the fruit of righteousness. So Paul wants this love. He prays for love, that they will have a fruitful love. Christians are Christians, or Christians are Christians that show change and transformation in their lives. Paul calls these results fruit. Uh, he, he, he gives us a list of them in Galatians chapter 5. And here, we, we see this sense here, uses this term because it shows that Christians are, need to have this this in their lives to be able to, to show forth, not to God to prove that they're changed or prove, not to show to God that, that they're growing or they're perfected in their faith, but it's actually, fruit is actually for us, for ourselves to see, to, for ourselves to know that God is working in our lives and we are strengthened by this. And this is Paul's desire uh, for them. He has an attitude of thanksgiving, but he follows through by praying for the, the Philippians unceasingly. Now, there we are, introduction to Philippians. Let me just kind of give you now response time. I want you to, first of all, to do this. Uh, during the next nine weeks, you need to wrestle with this question. What is joy in you? What do you know of joy? What do you see is joy? Is this what God would also find joy in in your lives? Now, here's a little bit more practical thing for you to think about is this. Which Christian friends give you joy when you remember them? So, what I want you to do this week is this. Give thanks for these brothers and sisters in Christ. And also, I'd like for you to write, write them a card or write them a letter with a promise to pray for them and pray for them to grow in love. Now, when you came in, I hope that you have received one of these uh, cards. Okay, It's like a postcard. It says, choose joy on it. Okay. This is for you not to keep for yourself. It's not a bookmark. It is actually for you to use the back to write on it and to be able to send to that friend, okay? So I want to encourage you to, to have this. Now, uh, for those of you, uh, we have uh, some envelopes in the back, okay? So if you want to actually send it to a friend far away, we have some envelopes for you. But otherwise, uh, if you want to, just, just write on the back and hand it to a person who's in this room. Uh, who actually is the person of, that has given you great joy. And you want to actually be able to ask that they can pray for you. I encourage you to, to be able to do that. If you actually, some of you may actually be saying, hey, I have more than one friend, okay? Uh, I feel really bad if I gave it to one friend and then the other friends think that, what, you don't, you know, don't care about me? So I think we actually have more of them in the back, right? So you can actually get, get, get from the ushers, okay? And... Uh, and I feel that, and then lastly, uh, read ahead in Philippians, okay? Uh, that we're, you're going to be letting God work in you uh, for all this. Now, let me just finish 
with this, I'm finishing with a word of prayer, but I want, I want to give you what I want to pray for you about. Uh, this is something else that's from my office. Okay. This is a basket that I keep in my office. In fact, actually, uh, this is not actually all of them, but, but these are actually thank you notes and cards that people have actually given me. Okay. Um, this is like the most important thing uh, in my office. Uh, there are times when things have been bad, things have been rough, things have been really horrible, and I can just look at this basket and it just brings me such joy. Uh, they're, they're just great things that people write to me. Uh, some of them just think, uh, uh, very simple. Thank you, Pastor Dick, for shepherding us for, for the past 10 years of service. This is at my anniversary. Okay, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, that, that was a nice one. Uh, some people write uh, like this. Uh, thank you for blessing FBCC with your ministry. Thank you for shepherding the flock with God's truth and grace. Truly, your life is a great example of God's truth and grace to us. May God continue to... to uh, prosper everything you do for his kingdom and bless your family in every way of life. I can live off this, okay? And this last one I want to share with you, uh, I, it's almost as, as a prayer for us today. Um, this is not the first time I spoke about joy. I think joy is one of the things that has been really missing in, in our Christianity. In fact, Actually, one of the things that's happening right now, they're uh, in, in seminaries and in Bible colleges throughout the, uh, the, uh, the United States, there are actually positions that are opening that there are professors of joy. Professors who actually teach about happiness. And there's a theolo- theology of happiness and joy that is, that is actually, we're realizing that the one thing that many of us are miss- missing in our faith is pure joy. And they're trying to answer these questions at the theological level, but we as a church need to also present ourselves in this way. And so I've been speaking about this. Wherever I go, get asked to speak, and, they, uh, and the people can't tell me what they want me to speak on, so then I go, hey, let me speak on joy. And so on this one occasion, uh, this one person wrote back to me and said this, Pastor Dick, thank you for empowering me to fight against the the forces that take away joy. It's hard for me to see that God is present and with me in my suffering, but I, think God's, I thank God that he spoke to you today to remember him. I will continue to fight this battle with him by my side. That is my, what he said for himself is my prayer for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you with the word of God. Its design is to draw us close to you, draw us to your love, draw us to hope, but indeed, Lord God, draw us to your joy. So Lord God, I pray for my congregation here. I realize the struggles and the, and the things that they have gone through in their lives and are presently going through. And there are times when joy has been sucked out of their lives. Lord, I pray that as we study your word, that you'll give it back to us. And Lord God, that, we are, that you also give us eyes that will be open to support and to encourage each other in the faith.
to grow in choice, to choose joy in our lives. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.